Welcome to Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. I am your curator, Professor Grunsplatter. Beyond these doors crouch the wonders, horrors, and wry smiles of an uncanny world. This world, your world. Should you choose to come inside, the sounds and stories that the shadows tell will be yours to behold. Make no mistake, it is a place of questions, not answers. A place where the tickle in your belly or the twitch in your eye simply mean you're paying attention. But then if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention, and the brave ones come with me.
Welcome to episode 48 of Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. I am your humble host. Opening the show today was Black Rain with the track Watering Hole off their Dark Pool release. And the last one you heard there was Diaceva with Stifle Your Woes from uh, the Station 1805 EP on Acroplane Recordings. Later in the show, I've got something about the artist Hyman Bloom. Uh, before that, this is Death and Rebirth from Pact Infernal.
That was Claustrum with And They Sleep from the Legion of Silence release. Before that was Tagerium with Siphon Like Parasites. And opening the set was Packed Infernal with Death and Rebirth from the Infernality album. Scratching for ways to define the ineffable, humanity's fever to understand the other finds voice through its artistry. I was listening to an interview with filmmaker Robert Eggers the other day, and he was talking about the sort of inciting incident that cracked his imagination open and led him towards the work that he's become known for. And he mentioned the artist Hyman Bloom. Eggers' parents had become friends with Bloom, and Eggers mentioned seeing as a 10 or 11-year-old kid these charcoal drawings that Bloom had done of what Eggers called demons. And that sort of shifted his his childhood perspective toward other things. Um, I wasn't familiar with Bloom, so I looked into his work. Uh, he was born in 1913, and he came to the U.S. from Lithuania in 1920, 
as a child and lived in what he described as a Jewish ghetto in Boston. Upon leaving his homeland, he was asked what he was going to do in America, and he said he'd become a rabbi. And while that didn't happen, the idea of spirituality surfaced in his work through the years. He developed an interest in art through the local settlement house that helped immigrants learn English and get acclimated and quickly discerned himself. And in 1942, at the age of just 28, he got his first group show at the MoMA. Uh, He was eccentric or maybe just shy. Uh, I found more than one source that talked about how upon entering his studio, all of his work was facing the walls and not displayed so that you could see it. One gallery owner, Terry Dintenfoss, uh, said he had visited Bloom's studio for seven years before Bloom ever offered to show him what he was working on. Uh, in a 1983 piece, uh, Lois Tarlow, a contemporary of Bloom's in the Boston art scene, described him as such, quote, He guarded his privacy and his time. He seldom went to openings, even his own, or hung around with other artists for mutual support and admiration. We knew he had a tap into the spirit world, and he was interested in Eastern philosophy, mysticism, occultism, and music. Unquote. There's a documentary about Bloom that seems to be more for educational institutions because the DVD is $320. Uh, But I did find some snippets of that online, and there are a couple of lectures on his work from the Boston Museum of Fine Art that are available on YouTube. Uh, One is called Hyman Bloom, Spirituality and Art, and the other is called How Hyman Bloom Became a Master of Life and Death. In a clip from the documentary, there's an anecdote about how uh, he was walking down the street with a friend, and he saw a large pile of dog shit on the sidewalk covered in flies and he stopped and regarded it and remarked to his friend on how the flies glistened and from then on flies would sometimes appear in his paintings Um, de Kooning called Bloom the first abstract expressionist and in a piece from 1968 Alfred Werner isn't quite sure how to classify Bloom's work. Quote, Is Bloom's art expressionist? Is it surrealist? Is it closer to the Hasidism of the Balam Shem Tov or the Theosophy of Madame Blavatsky? Viewers may differ on these points, yet are bound to agree in the respect for an art that is so skillful, personal, and intense. It is draftsmanship on par with the work of Ivan Albright, Rico Lebrun, Leonard Baskin, and Jack Levine. It is spiritual art in the tradition of Leonardo, Dürer, Rembrandt, Goya, Blake, and Redon. Yet without any obvious borrowings from these masters who, like Bloom, have tried to exteriorize those inner forces that beat at the door of consciousness, to liberate those pre-conscious fantasies that may very well be more real than the cosmos as seen by the casual traveler through life." This captures the collision of elements that makes Bloom's work captivating to me. It was seeing some of Ivan Albright in a few of his drawings that really made me sort of pursue this particular rabbit hole. And his painting, Slaughtered Animal, has elements of Francis Bacon, 
which aesthetically is a completely different thing from the drawings. Um, his work can be both exquisite in detail and primal in the abstract. In fact, in 1960, his work was shown in a two-man show with Francis Bacon's. Um, I found more than I expected when I dug into Bloom's work, and while I only have a certain amount of patience for reading art criticism, the consensus was clearly that Bloom was a singular human and a singular talent. And I'll end with a, uh, a couple of quotes from Bloom himself. Um, Seeing a dead body was a deep experience for Bloom. Quote, On the one hand, it was harrowing. On the other, it was beautiful, iridescent, and pearly. It opened up avenues for feelings not yet gelled. It had a liberating effect. I felt something inside that I could express through color. As a subject, it could synthesize things for me. The paradox of the harrowing and the beautiful could be brought into unity. And then finally, quote, Life is not just what we experience on Earth. You don't just die and rot away. That would tell us that life is trivial, and that wouldn't make sense, unquote.
something different. Mandible Chatter with Tangle in Delirium. Prior to that was Ghost Ships with Descending Through Dark. And opening the set was Hybrids with Kyrenia. And this is Kirchenkampf with Loss from the 1992 release Lazarus Rising.
Spookatorium exists to showcase music and ideas. I am not an expert at anything, and I have no agenda beyond fostering curiosity. The show is not monetized on any platform. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. A video version is available on the Cryonic Mind YouTube page. If you can like, subscribe, comment, etc., it helps the show's visibility. If your music was featured here and you'd prefer it was not, let me know and I will remove it from the feed. You can reach the show at spookatorium at gmail.com. The website can be found at spookatorium.org, and your comments are always welcome. Thanks very much for spending some time here.
That was No Form with Seven Knives. Uh, before that was one of my favorite long-running projects, Bad Sector, and that was Inoculation from the Retrovirus release. And opening this set was Kirchenkampf with Loss. And that is about all there is of that for this episode. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. I do appreciate it. And to close it out this time is Quelog with In the Night. is come.